All right, thank you, choir. Can you hear me all right? I don't know if uh, Jim made it in the announcements, but we were struck by lightning last evening and it affected our sound system, our cameras, our, all the technical support. So they're running around this morning and just want to be sure you're cool and comfortable and you can hear all right as we begin. Um, we were looking at apostles in the New Testament and kind of migrated from them over into disciples just as character studies. What can we learn from folks in the Bible and their experiences and how can we take their lessons and apply them to our lives? Well, there's a significant man by the name of Apollos. Do any of y'all know somebody named Apollos? I don't. I think I knew a dog once named Apollo, but not Apollos. Anyway, uh, Acts 18, verses 24 through 28. Apollos, and the sermon is a title, From Good to Great. There are a lot of good Christians in the world today. There are a lot of good Christians in this church family. But I, I think God is challenging us and beckoning us to do more. Not just to be good, but to be great followers, faithful followers of Christ. Acts 18 verse 24 says this. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus... He was an eloquent man, well-versed in the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and expounded to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully confuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, as we come together to consider this, this individual, this man named Apollos in the Bible, few words about him. And yet, what a tremendous influence he had because of the character that he embodied and, and the changes that he was willing to make in his own life. God, none of us here are perfect. All of us can be better Christians, more devoted followers of yours. And so, inspire us and help us and convict us and draw us more closely unto you whatever it takes, whatever changes that might mean. Bring us to the point of making them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said, I've never met anybody named Apollos, but Apollos would be a good name for somebody because he is a great model for every Christian. He represents every good Christian who desires something more. Every good Christian who wants to be a better Christian, and I hope that applies to all of us. If you're satisfied with where you are in your Christian life, then we probably need to back up and do some more foundational work there. Because the Christian life is a life of growth and change and development. If we ever plateau and stop growing, then our relationship with Christ will start dying because there is no staying the same. We're either growing closer to him or growing further away from him, but it's never just the same. There was a book written several years ago by a man named Jim Collins entitled From Good to Great. 
Did any of you businessmen or women buy that or, or read that book? Jim Collins, it sold three million copies. It was a bestseller in the New York Times bestseller list. And what Jim Collins did was take about 1,500 companies and look closely at them and determine what distinguished those companies that were just good companies and plateauing companies and what separated those from the companies that did something unusual and made the leap from good to great and, and made whatever changes were necessary for that to happen. A lot of churches bought this book and looked at it. What makes a good church and how can a church go from good to even better, to great? How can a Christian do that on an individual basis? How can we go from good to great? I think some characteristics in Apollos' life give us guidance. Because Luke shows us what a, what a remarkable person he was. First of all, we know he was highly educated. An eloquent man, well-versed in Scripture from Alexandria, he came to Ephesus. Now we know Alexandria, of course, founded by Alexander the Great. It was on the northern border of Egypt, right on the Mediterranean Sea. And Alexander the Great invested so much money in Alexandria that it became a hub for Greek culture and learning. There was a great library built in Alexandria, and you'll still see references to it today. It was the largest library, had the most volumes in the world in that day, although sadly it was burned over time and so many valuable manuscripts were lost. So anybody from Alexandria would be like somebody coming from the seat of Greek culture and learning. It'd be like the Ivy League of the ancient world. And it says that Apollos was well-versed in the scriptures. Now in this, in this time, when this was written, what were the scriptures? It was the Old Testament. It was the law and the, and the prophets and the history and the writings, all those parts that we call the Old Testament. Apollos was well familiar with them. He was a Jew raised in Alexandria. He was educated. He was a lot like Paul, probably just not trained to be a rabbi like Paul was, but he was well on the way, well versed in the scriptures. And not just in the Old Testament, it says in verse 25, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. So he knew about Jesus. He knew some things about Jesus. He knew uh, as a follower of John the Baptist, perhaps, he knew who Jesus was and he knew some things Jesus had done, but he did not know everything about Jesus. So there were some gaps in his knowledge, in his understanding of Jesus and of the gospel. So that's who he was. And what characteristics did he have to make the leap from being just a good follower of Christ to a great one? I have three simple ones in your worship bulletin outline this morning. First of all, I want you to see that Apollos had gifts. Not only did he have gifts, he used them. Apollos had gifts. He was eloquent. He was well-versed. And I know a lot of us are sitting out there saying, well, that's Apollos. I am not Apollos. I don't have the gifts that Apollos had. I can't do those things that Apollos did. Well, I want you to notice here that Apollos didn't have any gifts perfectly either. Even in his knowledge, there were some things lacking. There were so many things about Jesus that he did not know or understand, had not ever been explained to him. And so even when we hold Apollos up as someone who had gifts, his gifts weren't perfect. And so if you're waiting until you have everything you need to do something great for God, you're never going to do it. 
We were interviewing a staff member one time, and, and uh, he was kind of young, and I was asking him, what makes you think you're equipped to do this, this, take on this job and fulfill this responsibility? And he had a good answer. He said, because I don't think God calls the equipped. He said, I think God equips the called. God equips those whom he calls. And if God has called you to do something, you can be sure that he's not going to leave you without the gifts to fulfill his calling perfectly. And so if you feel God's hand upon your life, you can know and be sure that he is going to enable you and equip you to do perfectly what he has asked you to do. The greatest sin in our church today is not Christians who do evil. I think the greatest sin in our church today is Christians who do nothing. So many Christians just come and worship, maybe on Sunday morning, and then leave and go about their lives the rest of the week. They may come back the following Sunday or not, or maybe skip a few Sundays, but it's not the bad that we do, it's the good that we don't do that I think troubles most churches. What has happened is, is we have begun to worship the God of comfort and the God of complacency and it's taken its root in so many hearts. And how the devil usually operates is he takes something good and twists it into something bad. Let me explain what I mean. Let's, let's take, for example, fellowship. Fellowship is good. It's good to come to church and have fellowship and, and we um, obtain a lot of fellowship in the Sunday school class and Covered dish suppers, Wednesday night suppers are, are renowned for their fellowship. And that's a good thing. The best place to experience fellowship is in the Sunday school. Everybody needs to be in a Sunday school class. Everybody needs to experience fellowship in Sunday school. But what happens when that good thing, which is fellowship, gets in the way of something better, like service? So many people sit in Sunday school class and say, I just enjoy the fellowship so much, I don't want to go any further. But listen to me, fellowship is not the end. Fellowship is the means to the end. And the end is service. The end is commitment. The end is rolling up our sleeves and doing something for the kingdom. And if all we do is come to church and enjoy what folks call the holy huddle, just the fellowship, and the fellowship is great, but if that's all we do, then we're missing the higher calling of commitment and service that God has beckoned us toward. The goal of the Christian life is not just fellowship. That's the means to the end. The goal is Christian service. So to go from good to great, take those gifts that God has given you, every one of you, and exercise them like a muscle and that muscle will grow stronger and those gifts will improve and what you're doing for the kingdom will make a difference. Apollos had gifts and he used them. But the second thing I want you to see here I think is the most remarkable thing about him. Verses 25 and 26. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and expounded to him the way of God more accurately. Apollos was well versed in Scripture. He knew the Old Testament as a good Jew would backwards and forwards, 
but he didn't know everything. He needed someone to guide him, to mentor him, to instruct him. And he listened. He listened. You know, there's so many folks you just can't tell anything to because they already know it all. And that gets in a way of a lot of growth in the lives of Christians. Apollos knew about the baptism of John. The baptism of John was a, a baptism that came from Judaism. The Jews had been baptizing for centuries and they baptized as a means of cleansing for ritual purity. Anything they ate, anything they touched that rendered them unclean, they could go through a series of, of baptisms by immersion to render themselves clean again. Jesus comes along and he takes that Jewish ritual of baptism by immersion and, and interprets it and gives it new meaning and says this baptism is now going to symbolize your forgiveness and washing away and repentance of sins. Well, Apollos knew about the Jewish baptism that John the Baptist taught, but he didn't know about the baptism for the repentance of sins that Jesus taught. Apollos represents everybody in the church today who knows a little bit about Jesus, but not everything. Maybe they've been saved, but they don't understand the full joy of the Christian life. Maybe they have invited Jesus into their heart to be their Savior, but they've never let him be their Lord and guide them in, in how they do things day in and day out and, and discover the joy of full commitment and Christian service. So Apollos knew a little about Jesus, but not a lot. So what can we learn? Two things. The first thing I want you to learn about Apollos that just really impresses me is that he was willing to receive guidance from others. He realized he didn't know it all. And he was teachable. He was open to learning. Look at it this way. What if this hotshot named Apollos who was holding folks in the palm of his hand with his eloquence and riding a wave of popularity, had Aquila and Priscilla come to him and say, Apollos, you are so gifted, but we've noticed some weaknesses in your understanding and in your message, and we'd like to help you with that. And Apollos, like a lot of folks, very well could have said, you think you got something to teach me, old man? I think not. I went to the Alexandrian Baptist Theological Seminary and I graduated first in my class. What could you possibly have to teach me? And anytime a Christian gets to that point, there's very little God can do with them. How easy it would have been for Apollos to have responded like that. But notice what happened. Apollos listened to Aquila and Priscilla and they took him aside and they expounded the way of God more fully and Apollos listened and he understood and he learned and he took it in and that just goes to remind me that all of us have more to learn. No matter how much you know about Jesus, no matter, no matter how long you have been walking with him, there's always more to learn in your relationship with him and, and when you stop learning, you start dying because there's no plateau in the relationship with God. I had a professor at seminary named Harold Songer, a New Testament professor, and as is so often the case, I learned more from that man and what he said on the side, parenthetically, than from what he said lecturing in class. And he made a comment one day 
that really struck home with me. He said, you know, I've taught a lot, a lot of guys a lot smarter than I am. He said, but I've just been at it a lot longer. You can teach people a lot smarter. But if you've been at it longer, you still have something to teach them. And they still have something to learn. I probably shouldn't tell you this, but uh, I was out in the community one day years ago and, and met a man who watched our service on TV. He was not a member here, but he, he had some experience in, in different aspects of church. And he said, you know, I've been watching your church on TV and I think I've got some things that can help some of your, uh, some of your staff, you know, if they'll come and talk to me. So I said, okay, you know, always willing to learn, always Willing, but I came and shared that with a particular staff member and he kind of smiled and shrugged his shoulders and never responded. And I thought, you know, that's sad to think that there's nothing you have that you could possibly learn from somebody. I hope we're always learning, always open. I enjoy hearing other people preach. I enjoy sitting in the pew and listening. I enjoy watching preachers on TV because there's always something to be learned. And I hope I never get to the point where I quit wanting to learn, that that desire is always there. So all of us have something to learn and can continue learning. The other side of that coin, the second thing I want to say is that all of us can guide others. All of us can mentor others. We have so many young people in our church who want to learn, who want to grow, who want to, to be discipled. And we have senior adults in our church who've been Christians and have been at it a long time and have so much to offer. And if we can put those older men with the younger men and the older women with the younger women, that's what the Bible teaches, to mentor and guide them in their Christian growth and development, it will benefit both parties. Apollos had Aquila and Priscilla to guide him. And we have Aquilas and Priscillas in our church that can guide Apollos in our, in our younger church and teach them and help them grow in their Christian life. And if we don't do that, then we're missing a, a command that the Bible gives us. The third thing I want you to see is that Apollos had goals and he reached for them. He, he knew he could learn. He knew that he needed guidance. He knew he had gifts and he wanted to exercise, but... There was always something further out there that Apollos was stretching for, that he was reaching for, and he never gave up on it. And that motivated him and created within him a passion to continue growing as a Christian in, in the Christian life. It says this in verse 27. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him, and wrote to the disciples to receive him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed because he powerfully confuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Now we read this, you know, okay, he wanted to go to Achaia, no big deal. Yes, big deal. Apollos is in Ephesus. Ephesus is on the, the western shore of Turkey. It's on the eastern shore of the Mediterranean Sea. Achaia is in southern Greece. It's about six or 700 miles by boat, maybe 1,000 miles by land. So it is no small dream 
that Apollos has. And he sees Achaia. Paul has yet to make his missionary journeys and travel there. Apollos sees that as a land that has never heard about Jesus. And he has a dream. He has a desire, a calling from God to go there somehow to get from Ephesus all the way over to Achaia. And that dream has captured his life. Our dreams give our lives meaning. Our dreams give us passion. And we need God-given goals to stretch us and to reach for. In 1952, July the 4th, the California coast was shrouded in fog. July the 4th, 1952. 21 miles west of the California coast was the island of Catalina. And a young lady by the name of Florence Chadwick stood on that island and had a dream of reaching, of swimming to the California coast. No woman had ever done it, that 21-mile journey. She was determined to be the first to swim. The morning was foggy. The water was freezing cold. But she jumped in and began to swim. She was determined to do it. As she swam, the water numbed her. The fog was so thick she couldn't see the, the boats in her entourage that were going along beside her, protecting her from the sharks that were surrounding her. She swam for 15 hours. And later, numbed by the coal, she began to signal to the, the, the boat to pull her out. She was ready to be given to give up. 15 hours, 55 minutes later, after 20 and one half miles, only a half a mile from the California shore, she was pulled out. And she later, when she stood on the shore, she realized how close she had gotten. She said, you know, I quit, not because the water was cold and not because of the fatigue. She said, I quit because I could not see the land. If she could have seen the land, she could have just kept going, but the fog had dimmed her vision. And I read about that and thought, you know what? That's a parable for our lives. It's going through life. We're going to have all kinds of obstacles and barriers, but if we can just keep our eyes on the, high, the target of, that God has given us, the goal of the Christian life, if we can keep our eyes on that, nothing will deter us. But it's when we cannot see the goal that we give up. Apollos was able to see Achaia, and that was his dream, and he was going to reach for it and stretch for it. And, and that motivated him in his Christian life. And we've got to have dreams like that to give us a passion to motivate us to stay faithful to the end. Like Apollos, we need to discover our gifts and use them. We need to be teachable and open to those who've been at it longer than we and receive guidance. And we need to have goals and reach for them and keep that goal in sight. And if we do that, like Apollos, we can be learning and growing and we can go from good Christians to great Christians who will be used by God to do great things because we are willing to lay aside 
every sin that encumbers us and follow faithfully the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He's placed that upon every one of you. And all of you here today, I would say, are good Christians. But there's more that God wants from us, more that you and I can do, like Apollos, to use our gifts, to grow and learn and develop our gifts, and to have that goal in sight to stretch for. Maybe there's a, an older, wiser Christian that you want to link up with and use as a model to follow. Maybe there's uh, something that, you, that God has laid upon your heart, a dream to fulfill, and you want to lay aside whatever holds you back from living up to that dream. God wants us to be faithful, and he has great things in store for each of us if we'll do that. Let's bow together. God, we presented Bibles to rising first graders today. And they're going to take that Bible and open it up and as they learn to read, apply it to their lives. They're going to learn so much from their parents, how they see them, read the Bible and, and live it out. And they're going to learn so much in Sunday school and RAs and GAs and choirs and mission friends. And they're going to learn so much from their friends here at church and from older Christians that they see coming and going here and in the community and at school. So help us realize that impressionable eyes and hearts are watching. And on the other hand, help us to look up to folks who are wiser than we and who've been at it a lot longer than we and to be open and teachable learning the, the, the truths of Scripture that you have in store for us. And then not just learning them, but applying them and exercising them to make a difference for your kingdom. We don't want to be good Christians. We want to be great Christians. We don't want to be a good church. We want to be a great church. And so whatever we have to do to make that leap, help us be willing to make it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.